Hello and welcome to another episode of Georgie's Stripping the Dipping podcast. I'm your unusual co-host, F1 Blag. And today, when I say we have a special guest, we have a special guest. We have a member of the FIA's World Motorsport Council. So without any further ado, Jan Stovicek, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm very fine. Thank you very much for your invitation. Lovely to have you. I mean, wow. World Motorsport Council, what a prestigious body to be a member of and what a time uh you know the last two years you've not been short of decisions to make so uh fantastic lovely to have you so Jan like tell us a bit about yourself you know there might be listeners out there that know about the World Motorsport Council they might know about GT3 etc but they don't know about you so how would you introduce yourself to our listeners okay so um first thing I have to say I am I am a lawyer by profession and I'm specialized in sporting law so I was uh, doing a lot of work in uh, in uh, sporting kilometers like uh, anti-doping and disciplinary, etc. And uh, I have been judge of the FI International Court of Appeal for almost 20 years. And I, I was the chairman of the FI Anti-Doping Commission uh, for a good uh, 10 years. And uh, currently I'm president of the Czech ASN, the, the Czech uh, National Automobile Club. And for last two years, I'm a member of the, uh, of the FI World Motorsport Council. And uh, previously I was also active in motorcycling movement. Uh, I was a member of the uh, management council of the International Motorcycling Federation because our national club is an umbrella for both uh, automobile and uh, motorcycling sport. So that, that's me in few few words. I mean, I think if you are ab- applying for a job, you just got the job. Like, incredible. Uh, all those achievements and accolades. <laughs> um, thank you, you very much. I'm not sure with that, but thank you very much. <laughs> You, you must uh, you must have a real passion for motorsport to be involved for so long. So, I mean, can you remember your first motorsport memory? What do you remember? Actually, the, that's a very good question. I appreciate that very much. I remember as a very, very uh, young young kid uh, uh, that there was a, a neighbor in, in, uh, in the city I, I lived in and he owned a go-kart. And it was, I think, like... Uh, uh, home-made, uh, very uh, primitive go-kart, but it was exciting. Uh, it had an engine and uh, it had a gear shift. So I remember as a small boy, I was using this go-kart and I enjoyed it very, very much. So this is my first memory for for uh, motorsport or motorism. And I think I could be like four or five years of age that time. So that was the wow. beginning. <laughs> That's the sort of age that, you know, Fernando Alonso or Ayrton Senna are first putting their hands on a wheel. So yes. do you, did you, do you remember sort of watching motorsport? What was the sort of series that you may have watched as a child growing up? It's quite interesting because I, when I, when I uh, tried to remember that, there was a kind of development because there were a few years I was keen, very keen in Formula One. Later, I found the cars not interesting and I was watching the motorcycling races like uh, the um, uh, the MotoGP or the Grand Prix races of motorcycling. Then uh, I, I was keen in uh, in off-road racing like Dakar. So you know, I, I, when I when I uh, try to to figure out all these years, I, I I can say that it was like changing after a few years. I I, I was uh, changing the discipline. So I passed almost through all the motorsport disciplines. But in general, I must say, of course, I'm keen uh, motorsport enthusiast and disciplines, of course. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense given uh, where you've ended up as well. I mean, it, was there a driver or a particular, yeah, a driver or a team that you particularly loved when you were younger? 
for sure, I was uh, very keen in Formula One teams, uh, the, the old times, like uh, John Player Special Lotus cars. And uh, obviously, I was a big fan of Ayrton Senna and, and, and Niki Lauda in, 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 the, in the old years. And uh, then I was, uh, of course, supporting uh, Michael Schumacher. So I think uh, not... Uh, not nothing substantially different from uh, from idols of, of uh, many many people of my age. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, those the John Player Special Lotuses were classic, sort of beautiful cars, and yeah, of course, Michael Schumacher becoming at the time the most dominant dominant driver. And of course, you've got a legal background. Um, you know, not, we interview people who are in motorsport uh, from many different backgrounds, and lots of them are in I don't know the media side or the engineering side. Um, but what inspired you to go down the path of law? Well, um, you know, I was uh, when I finished the secondary school, I was just uh, thinking about uh, which way to go. My parents uh, both uh, are medicine, so uh, I first I tried to 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 follow uh, follow them, but I was not very successful. I'm not really uh, talented for uh, natural sciences, so that was that showed to be not possible. And uh, then the choice was quite easy because. Uh, at the age of uh, 18, 19 years, I was not really sure what to do all my life, and uh, I decided to go for something which is quite universal. And this is uh, the advantage of uh, studying law. If you have a law degree, you can do a lot of uh, professions. You can be a very good manager, you can work, uh, I don't know, for some government authorities, you can be an attorney, you can be a judge, whatever. So so I, I decided to study law because I, I was telling myself maybe I can uh, I can really focus and specialize on some particular profession later on. So this is, a, this is the good thing on studying law. Like an extremely strategic decision to have made at 18. I, I hate <laughs> yes. to think, before we started, we, I was just reminiscing. I think I was probably 18 when I went to the Czech Republic, but I definitely wasn't planning oh. my career. So, you know. <laughs> um, that was exactly the same way of thinking because I was not really sure what to do. So I said, okay, I have to study something, but something which will leave me uh, the, the the choice opportunity for later. And if you if you have a law degree, you can really uh, still uh, you, you gain some time to to select the profession you would like to do. <laughs> and, and you kind of like fast fast forward. You've now been in the sort of motorsport administration world. I don't know what you call it, motorsport governance maybe, uh, for some time. What was your first job in motorsport? I, were you a driver before that? I know that you've, you know, I can see on Google, you've got some GT3 drives in there as well. How does that all fit in? Yeah, well, I would rather say admin, uh, not an administration, but governance, because uh, there is a clear difference in in, uh, in organizations like the FIA or the FIM, uh, because obviously you have elected people uh, who, who are supposed to govern the organization, uh, for example, the members of the World Motorsport Council. And then you have the administration, which essentially is... Uh, is the is the um, uh, the people who are employed to implement uh, the decisions of the governance that that I think is is quite important difference. So I would rather consider myself as a member of the governance. And um, yeah, uh, well, you know, before actually before I started to drive in GT3, I I, I passed through a motorcycle rider career. <laughs> I was not really a very very successful motorcycling rider, but I spent good uh, I would say like eight years. Uh, racing in in uh, in a series of uh, uh, motorcycle road racing, uh, in on a national level and also on European level, and I was almost uh, I was majority of of these years I was just a hobby rider, not really uh, winning the championships, but I enjoyed that a lot and. 
uh, in certain age, uh, I, I realized that uh, it really hurts when you crash on the motorcycle. And uh, this is why I changed to cars, because uh, the difference between crashing uh, in a motorcycle race and uh, the car race is that uh, uh, on motorcycle it's, it's uh, painful, but it's not so expensive. And in cars racing, it's not so painful, but it's much more expensive to, to pay the damages. So this is why I decided to change for cars and, uh, and race in GT3, which was great. I just enjoyed that. And that was really the, the path to the motorsport. And I'm very glad I have this experience from, uh, from uh, GT, GT3 racing. It's, it's, it's a great series. Uh, you, can, you can drive in this category. Yeah, it must, it must help you as you govern uh, or participate yeah, in the governance of sport. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's, it's interesting that you said your parents were in the medical profession. My dad was a doctor. And I remember growing up, ah. he basically forbid me f from g ever going on two wheels. He just said exactly. he's seen too many people in the emergency room uh, that have been on a bike. So good, just good decision. I mean, prudent decision going on to four wheels. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. No, I, I, I had to start actually even the, the motorcycling career. I had to start uh, later. Uh, when I was at the university, I think, which was obviously too late to be really <laughs> a very good uh, motorcycling rider because uh, uh, my parents would never allow me to, to, to do the two wheels. You are right. <laughs> Code of children of doctors. You know, we, we live, we have a certain childhood. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, yes. look, um, you got into motorsport governance and uh, today you're on the World Motorsport Council. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can't tell us everything about it, but... What are the like? What is your role on the council? What is the objective of the council? Well, I would say that, um, uh, as you said before, there is a lot of decision making, and uh, the World Motorsport Council, as the highest uh, decision making body, uh, has to has to decide. Uh, I would say two uh, two types, or to accept two types of decision. First, it's concerning. Uh, uh, regulations. Uh, I would say that there is a lot of regulations that uh, must be approved by the World Motorsport Council. And uh, as you can imagine, the, the regulations develop uh, very, very quickly every year, uh, uh, even several times. And it's necessary, of course, to approve all these regulatory changes, uh, for which there is, uh, of course, the FI administration preparing all the background and all the information for the World Motorsport Council to take the decision. And uh, the second type of decision concerns the strategy, the future, uh, which way the, um, the FIA would go, which way the, uh, the motorsport would go. And uh, this is really exciting because uh, uh, it's uh, something which is creative and uh, there is obviously uh, an opportunity for the World Council members to present their ideas and their, their thoughts on the strategy. And um, this is, I, I would say, this is really the exciting part of, of, uh, of, the, of the fact being the World Motorsport Council member. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, presumably at some point you're going to opine on the 2026 regulations. Is that right for Formula One, just for example? Obviously, uh, uh, the, 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 the future regulations, uh, any regulations of Formula One are, uh, are uh, to be approved by World Motorsport Council. So the answer is yes. Wow. I mean, it's really interesting because there's a, quite a, a broad uh, group of people on the World Motorsport Council, and I'm sure they all have different opinions. 
do you ever find, I, I know that these board meetings can sometimes be a bit dry, but do you ever find that you have disagreements with your fellow council members and different objectives or uh, do you find consensus? Well, you know, it's uh, as, as you say, it's, it's quite a, a big group of people with different views and uh, coming from different cultures. And uh, by the way, it's not uh, only about Formula One. Uh, I know that Formula One is the pinnacle of the of the sport, but uh, there is uh, really a lot of disciplines, uh, very exciting on various levels of uh, of the motorsport, and uh, there are uh, dozens of dozens of uh, championships within the FIA. So there is a lot of more to decide than Formula One. I would not limit it only to this, uh, although I know it's very attractive. Uh, and as for the consensus, um, uh, obviously there are different opinions, but uh, there is a discussion. And uh, I think this is uh, fair and this is democratic. We have a discussion, we, we exchange our views. And at the end, uh, obviously, we try to find a consensus and a decision that uh, is supported by, if not all, then a huge majority of the World Motorsport Council members. And uh, I must say that uh, that we, uh, we are quite successful in reaching su such consensual decisions. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, a decision has to be made, and uh, and and you make it. So, I mean, yes. Just for example, would you make decisions on changes to the sporting regulations of of different of different uh, genre of motorsport? Sure, sure. The sporting regulations are to be decided by the, uh, by the any changes of the International Sporting Code, for example, mm. must be decided by the World Motorsport Council. Uh, regulations of disciplines uh, of all the codes uh, of the FIA. There is a lot of uh, lot of codes. Uh, maybe you know that every year there used to be a very very huge booklet issued. Now it is only electronic, but it's really uh, maybe several hundreds, maybe several thousands of pages of uh, of regulations, which is necessary. Uh, when you when you imagine all the scope of of the FIA and all the disciplines and championships and technical regulations and and medical code and, and disciplinary code etc etc, so uh, all these crucial uh, regulations must be approved by the by the World Motorsport Council. Okay, that makes sense. And and you were I think uh, a former board of directors member for the FIM, which is uh, on the uh, motorcycle side. Is that right? Exactly, that's it. And 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 so, like, I don't know. I can't imagine how you brought this together. But am I right in thinking you chaired the first meeting between the FIA and the FIM together, a committee meeting? Uh, yes, uh, it's uh, just just to explain uh, how, how exactly this originated. I I was um, I was the for four years I was member of the uh, of the board of directors of the FIM, and then uh, we were successful as as the new governance team in the FIA uh, World Motorsport Council election, and uh, in that time I decided to step off the um, the FIM uh, board of directors because really being uh, in both would be too much but uh, my uh, my uh, belief is that there is a lot of uh, common issues that are shared and common challenges and common problems shared by these uh, two sister federations the FIM and the FIA and uh, I initiated um, creation of this uh, cooperation committee between the FIA and FIM and uh, uh, I was lucky enough to get support of both presidents, uh, the FIM president uh, George Vegas and FIA president Mohamed Ben Sulaim and uh, we created this committee which is composed uh, uh, one half members of the um, uh, FIM governance and administration, one half of the FIA 
members of governance and administration and uh, uh, i have the honor to be the the chairman of of this of this committee and uh, this is something which is really exciting for me because uh, as you can imagine uh, issues like um, safety issues medical issues technical issues circuit homologation issues uh, edi issues women in motorsport uh, sustainability issues there is a lot of things which uh, which are common for both federations and they can share their experience so i think this is a good way to go it makes a lot of sense <laughs> and and i'm i'm actually surprised that you you've created this innovation in 2023 or or, or in recent years it's the sort of thing you'd imagine happened uh, a long time ago so on on circuits for example do both bodies yes. accredit circuits and the safety and or, or or is it more FIA that accredits um the circuit no it's more, more both both federations uh, who accredit and uh, we say homologate the circuits for safety for safety standards and the problem is that for decades uh, both federations have uh, they have different different standards for safety so what we what we now effort to do is to uh, to uh, some way harmonize this this approach because what happened in the past was that there was a new circuit built in asia for example there were a few examples of that and uh, that circuit was homologated by the fim uh, for example to host a moto gp event so it was fine from the fim point of view and later on uh, the owners of the circuits wanted to organize an fia event and it showed up that it's not possible because it's not fitting the fia rules uh, for homologation of the circuit so our objective now is to homologate the circuits during the construction and uh, and uh, engineering of the circuit immediately so that it fits to both FIA and FIM purposes and i think once a new circuit is built it's, it should be built not only for motorcycles but or not only for cars but for both so uh, we would like to to make a harmonization in that aspect yeah it's it feels like it would save money as well for the track owner or make the tracks more accessible for, for sure. all sorts of motorsport and hopefully raise revenue. For yeah. sure. I mean, for so sure. I, I used to watch uh, MotoGP in the days of Max Biaggi and Valentino Rossi, but I must say, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, right? It's a classic era, but maybe I yes. just have, since I've had children, haven't had as much time. So I'm a, I'm a sort of avid Formula One fan. And often, we, you know, you hear people in the sort of, fan community of formula one saying well you know track limits why don't we just put a gravel trap up to the edge of the circuit and then if they go off then they lose time you know but <laughs> you know but clearly there's a consideration on the motorcycle side is that is that something you know that it does it make it harder to produce a formula one track that's easier to let's say administer during the weekend and and, and manage track limits you know you know is it harder to do that if you're considering all of the different uh, types of motorsport that need to run on a circuit? Well, I think nowadays also in MotoGP, you have a lot of uh, track limits uh, mm. uh, issues. And uh, <laughs> there is a system, Dorna has a system of, I, I think they, they use, uh, I don't know how many, maybe dozens or maybe 100 of cameras uh, everywhere on the circuit and they uh, I, I know that the race direction has uh, in every uh, every uh, race uh, many many uh, many many track uh, track limits issues it's similar like in formula one but <clears throat> I, you know there are some some people like as you say that they would prefer to have a gravel just <laughs> just be behind the the, the, the track <laughs> limit line uh, but I, I think this is a this is a, the trend uh, and a safety issue because uh, for motorcycles especially 
the gravel is uh, quite uh, dangerous because <laughs> there, there could be crashes and uh, and injuries etc so uh, essentially the, the trend is in new circuits to um, to have these uh, this tarmac uh, runoff uh, areas and uh, yeah that's 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 as it is now and we have to follow the track limits and uh, uh, maybe we will find a solution for this but i don't think it will come back to the old times to the era of uh, of gravel traps uh, just behind the just behind the line uh, because of the safety okay that makes sense i mean in terms of homologating circuits um and you talked about new circuits in asia and certainly since i've been watching formula one particularly asia and the middle east there's been a huge growth in a number of circuits at that kind of a rating that can host uh yeah. top events um but yet you know if you look at other continents like africa they're still uh, you know developing and uh they haven't got as many circuits is the FIA active in in trying to really globalize uh, motorsport? Is there any initiative uh, at all to try and support, for example, Africa to get more top level circuits? Uh, definitely, we support uh, growing up and development of the sport in in all the regions, and uh, uh, we, we we would like to have uh, also strong motorsport in Africa or or South America or or in all all the continents. Uh, but as you can imagine, uh, especially the the financial. Uh, possibilities of international federation are quite uh, limited, uh, so we cannot really uh, afford to 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 build up a new circuit. Uh, that's uh, that's not uh, not in our our possibilities. But uh, uh, we 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 have, for example, sporting sporting development grants in the FIA. Uh, to support uh, support uh, project to support uh, uh, preparation of of the circuits etc to support development of motorsport but um, the fact is that motorsport is expensive this is something we are uh, fighting uh, with uh, for for decades and uh, and we try to to make the motorsport affordable and accessible for everybody but this is very very difficult and um, uh, of course uh, you can you can see the building uh, new circuits uh, in asia or in middle east uh, uh, because the economic power is different than than in Africa, that's unfortunately a matter of fact, and uh, and I can imagine that it's very difficult to to collect sufficient funds in Africa to build up a new circuit. So we can we can help the development of motorsport, but uh, as the international federation, we and I, I think you understand, we cannot uh, we cannot uh, afford to to build up a new circuit. There. That's unfortunately not possible. I completely understood. I mean, uh, obviously, I, I I have a bias towards Formula One, but there are other uh, formula, we, you know, for example, uh, you talked about a love of off-road racing and there's obviously the World Rally Championships as well, uh, which perhaps needs administration, but it doesn't need uh, a circuit. Do you find in your current role on the World Motorsport Council that sort of rally also comes on your agenda um, at all? Of course, of course. It's uh, I would say it's um, uh, besides of the circuit sport, it's the the most uh, uh, important discipline and the, the second pinnacle of uh, of motorsport, the World Rally Championship. By the way, we will have next week uh, the World Rally Championship event, the Central European Rally in our country. So, currently, I'm working very hard on preparations. Uh, I think this is very important championship, and uh, also on on regional and national level, and also in Africa. Um, this there is uh, a lot of a uh, lot of teams and uh, and drivers and events uh, in all the all the continents and uh, as you say it's uh, not so demanding as for the 
as for the logistics and infrastructure and also what is very uh, very growing or, or a strong strong discipline now quickly growing is the rally rate uh, championships uh, which uh, especially in africa and middle east are are very strong and i think very attractive and more and more attractive for uh, for for uh, public so um, yeah maybe maybe this this is the way to go as you say uh, uh, in 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 some countries or continents and regions where uh, the economy is not strong enough to build uh, formula 1 a great circuits uh, uh, there is a space for development of the off-road sport for sure Absolutely. I mean, I'm, uh, and I can see that there has been a Kenya uh, rally this season. Um, so, yeah, we, we record this on the eve of the Central European rally, which I can see is running in Germany, Austria and Czech Republic. Um, and, and it says that it's set to be run on tarmac. Is that right? Or is it a run on a mixture of surfaces? Uh, it's always fascinating to me. Yeah, this is a tarmac rally actually, yeah. and uh, I'm very glad we can we can have it uh, because uh, you know our country is a rally country, and mm. we have a lot of uh, really crazy fans in our country, <laughs> and uh, we can we can expect a big crowd uh, for for this rally, and it's a historic event actually. It's a historic event for our country because we never ever had uh, a WRC event in our country. This is for the first time, and it's a dream of uh, generations to to have a WRC event in Czech Republic. So. Now we have it finally wow and uh, also from the international point of view it's for the first time that three countries three uh, national asns three clubs um, uh, may unite to 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 uh, to organize a wrc event this never happened before there are some rallies which are organized uh, by one club on territory of uh, two countries like uh, rally monte carlo for example which as you know is also happening in, in france but uh, uh, there is no participation of the um, of the other country national national club or national asm and this is for the first time and is a historical uh, example of international cooperation of three countries, three clubs to organize uh, a World Rally Championship event. So we are quite proud uh, on that and, uh, and uh, we hope there will be uh, other ASNs uh, following our example. Yeah, I can see that you've got uh, the opening ceremony in Prague and then a special stage uh, in Prague as well. Uh, and that's on Thursday the 26th. It looks fantastic. Just looking at the map. Um, Fantastic. And all the star drivers will be there, I take it. Yeah, definitely. There are all the all the factory teams already testing in in our country and preparing for the rally. And we have the ceremonial start at the Prague Castle, which is the uh, most uh, most famous uh, historical monument in, in, in Czech Republic. And uh, we have the president of Czech Republic participating in the ceremonial start. So really, this is uh, this is very, very historical event for us. Brilliant. Um, and, and is this in your capacity with the National uh, Sort of Motorsport Federation in the Czech Republic or is it also an FIA role that you're playing in, in uh, helping to organize this? Well, this is purely uh, my role of the president of, of Czech uh, mm. ASN. So uh, we, we are, uh, in fact, three presidents uh, involved in that. Uh, me as the Czech uh, Federation president and uh, ADAC, the German club uh, sport president, Gert Enzer, and uh, uh, Oliver Schmerold, who is uh, president of the Austrian club. So this is a cooperation of three clubs and we are the organizers of, of the rally. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, hopefully this is a model that other countries can aspire to. And um, yeah. obviously you're doing it in Europe, but perhaps it could happen in other other continents. Sure. As well. Yeah.
Fantastic. Sure. Okay, brilliant. I mean, I'm intrigued because you're talking. I had this vision. You talked about sort of you're the president of the the Czech ASM, and there's your German counterpart and your Austrian counterpart. What are the sorts yeah. of things that you are overseeing, or that you, you know? Let, I don't, obviously, don't give too much away, but what's stressing you out with a week to go to running this rally? Like, what are the things on your to-do list? Mm, well, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I, this is a lot of uh, small things, of course, small issues we have to we have to resolve. I expect, uh, of course, uh, uh, there will be a lot of small problems, but I'm sure that. Uh, uh, we we will be able to to handle that. Uh, uh, we are known as very good uh, organizers of rally events uh, on uh, on a national and European level. So we have people very experienced here organizing rally. So I'm I'm quite confident we will we will manage to to do all of that smoothly. My my biggest worry was uh, of course to to ensure the finance for the event, and uh, uh, I was lucky enough to get some some uh, good support from from the Czech government and from the city of Prague and uh, from the regions where the rally will be run. So um, this is really crucial because uh, uh, the financial part is, uh, is uh, very important. So uh, now I think, I hope uh, everything uh, is going to be smooth. Well, yeah, we, we'll definitely have you in our thoughts. And, you know, I'll, I'll try and find out what channel uh, it's going to be on, TV channel it's going to be on in the UK. And we'll definitely keep an eye out for you. Yeah, besides the Yeah, there should be. I'm not sure. We, uh, not sure which uh, which uh, public channel in the UK, but uh, obviously there is WRC TV, which is mm. uh, uh, internet TV, uh, which is um, uh, which is run by the promoter of WRC. So uh, everybody can follow that, and, uh, and I hope everybody will be happy with that, and it will be a success. Well, yeah, fingers crossed, and I'm sure it, it sounds like it will be. Um, just to break up the kind of uh, the, you know the the technical questions, we have kind of a bit of a fun question that we like to ask some of our guests which is about a fantasy yes. fantasy hot lap so you get to pick uh the car and you get to pick the sort of circuit or location that you want to drive it so if you yeah, if you if you could pick and then money would be no object time machine whatever you'd like uh what car would you drive and in what location or what circuit Ah, wow, that's a good question. Uh, well, you know, I, I have a really one circuit which I, I actually, uh, well, I, I, I was driving there um, some 10 years ago uh, in GT3 car. And I think this circuit is really amazing. And it is now, uh, surprisingly, a Formula One circuit. It's in the Netherlands and it's uh, Sandford, the, uh, the circuit near to Amsterdam. This is an old style Formula One circuit. Uh, uh, which is uh, very near to, to Sandy Beach. So there is a lot of sand on the track. And uh, when I was there in GP3, I, I just was telling myself, I don't understand how it's possible uh, that in past uh, the, the Formula One cars were diving here. It's, it's not possible. And I, I was al always telling myself it's impossible uh, to have... Uh, uh, an actual actual Formula One cars to, to to have a race here, and now we have the Formula One cars race in uh, in in Sanford. So so this is really amazing. So uh, certainly uh, that would be my 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 choice of the circuit. And uh, as you know, I'm I'm fan of this uh, Lotus John Player special. So if the money is not objection, and if there is some some car in a museum uh, from that uh, from that uh, team that uh, that that then that would be my dream to to drive the uh, the lotus john player special in sanford 
gentrification. And yeah, I think the two statistics that I um, that I noticed about Zandvoort as a circuit, uh, particularly with Formula One, is I believe that it doesn't have parking for ticket holders. So you have to cycle yes. or walk or use public transport, which I, I, don't, exactly. I, I can't think of anywhere else in the world that has that. So that's incredible. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I think you know this is very special, but by some very special occasion, the 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 Sandvoort is in the in the calendar. I think it's good because it's really old style track, and uh, and I like it very much. And I, but I, well, very very honestly, to be very honest, I think if if there is not a, uh, a problem of COVID, which which made many things uh, that uh, that seem to be impossible. So COVID made it possible at the end. Uh, probably that uh, the, if, if there is no COVID, it would be very difficult to have uh, such circuits in the calendar. But here it is, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, I mean um, that that's a, a lovely a lovely segue because um, you know in 2020, and it was just you know just before you took on your role at the World Motorsport Council, but you obviously had other roles in and uh, you know motorsport, um, Formula One. But, but other motorsport as well, managed to get back going and put on a show for people in what was a dark time. And you talked about um, perhaps COVID, meaning that the sport, motor, Formula One in particular, visited circuits that it wouldn't normally have done, Mugello, uh, the, the, the track also in, in Portugal. Um, were you involved in motorsport in 2020, like in the, in the kind of organization of any events and do you remember that time and and the effect that COVID had on on the sport? Of course, I remember that it was a very hard time. I was involved not uh, in the FIA and the uh, let's say the global or the international level of motorsport, but we we were having the same issues in on a national level, and uh, uh, I think that was really um, cr- these years were very critical for motorsport because we lost a lot of uh, uh, money income. It was critical for national federations. We lost sponsors. We lost the uh, government support. We lost the events, and uh, I know that for many national clubs, it's uh, it's a problem to to recover from from these losses even today. So I'm 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 just glad that this is over, and I hope we will not be in the same crisis again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, clearly it impacted the entire world and and uh, sort of any industry that requires I don't know in person events. It feels like, um, and let's say the, let's call it entertainment or in-person entertainment. It feels like after the lockdowns, there's almost been a reaction that people want to go to these more often. And, you know, if you look at Formula One, for example, the attendance figures are record-breaking quite often. Would you, what would you put that down to? Do you think that, is it people's human desire to kind of, (laughs) if you tell them they can't leave their houses, they're going to, once they're allowed out, they're going to go out? Or do you think there's something special about motorsport and, and what we've witnessed in the last few years. Uh, well, uh, I would agree with you that uh, people were just hungry after these uh, years of lockdown. They're hungry for entertainment, and uh, Formula One is 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 an entertainment. Uh, let's let's be honest; it's it's a motorsport, but also it is a show business. So um, you have all these uh, VIPs, etc. Uh, people can meet, and it's it's a part of of the of the entertainment business. That's that's true. Uh, also, I think uh, there were. A few other aspects helping uh, growth of formula one like uh, like the netflix uh, series uh, that that had an effect which uh, i think nobody expected but really it made formula one very popular and uh, and uh, made made it attractive for for many people 
uh, who probably were not attracted so much before. And um, of, of course, uh, we must say that Formula One is, is an excellent series. Uh, uh, the management is doing a great job and, uh, and it's a big success. It's a big commercial success now and uh, it's growing and uh, this is fine. This is what we want. It's, uh, it's uh, as, as we said, it's a pinnacle of our sport and I uh, just uh, wish uh, Formula One good luck and uh, big development for the future. Absolutely. Um, you talked about before it's the sort of pinnacle of motorsport and yeah, I think Drive to Survive has definitely brought a new yeah. fan base. Do you, I mean, do you feel that in the Czech Republic? Do you, do you see kind of a younger group of fans embracing motorsport now? Uh, yes, I, I must say to my surprise, I can see it even here. And uh, and it's uh, what is what is interesting is that it, it was an inspiration not only to uh, to to form for Formula One fans but for fans of motorsport in general. Uh, in our country, uh, the most uh, popular discipline is rally. So I must say that we we can meet uh, in our rally events fans who tell me, oh, I was watching Drive to Survive. And I say, okay, that was about Formula One. No difference. Smaller sport, you know, rally is it's, it's like Formula One. So it was good for popularization of, of all the motorsport. And that's really a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, we've spoken to people in the US that are involved in uh, IndyCar. And there's definitely been a trickle down yeah. uh, for high octane yes. um, sport. Um, I mean, the, the thing for me, so I've watched Formula One, let's say, for about 30 years. And I had to say that the sort of 2021 season was probably the most entertaining end to end that, that I can remember uh, yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, would you would yeah. you agree? It was kind of back and forth and very competitive. Yes, definitely. I think it was one of the most uh, most exciting years. But I must say also also the seasons, although there was a, a dominance of, of Max Verstappen in, in later years, uh, we could see um, many interesting races, a lot of uh, overtaking maneuvers and uh, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, exciting situations. So so I think uh, it's very well managed and uh, and uh, now really uh, it's nobody can say that uh, uh, Formula One races are boring. That's it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we've definitely re recorded that. You've given uh, the line, the official line uh, on that, and I, I agree. They're not boring. It just, it, I can, I think it depends uh, who you're following, who you're supporting, and definitely if you look at the race for second place in the championship, uh, it's still, or, or or even in the constructors' championship, it's extremely uh, competitive. Yes, definitely, and there is, and you can if even if you don't uh, look at the very top of the of the field, you know, of, of the grid, mm. there is still a lot of uh, interesting fighting, uh, even in the middle of the field, and it's it's also exciting for the people. So I think it's on a good way. Yeah, absolutely. So here's a question, and it might be a bit philosophical. Um, what, where, what's your goal in motorsport governance, uh, Jan? So obviously you're on the World Motorsport Council. Would you see that as a kind of a highlight or a pinnacle? Are you climbing? Are you, you wanting to go somewhere else? What's your, do you have a goal? Well, uh, for me, the goal always was uh, to be in the in the in the highest uh, governance governance body, and this 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 is what I achieved. And the reason why I wanted to be in that position is that I would like to help uh, the development of the sport. And and uh, now maybe you will be surprised, but I, I will say, uh, and I already said that it's not only about Formula One. Of course, Formula One is is, is excellent; it is the top. But um, what I feel is that there are many disciplines uh, uh, which are also 
also very interesting and uh, maybe they are not so uh, so medialized maybe not so seen for for the public uh, but also important for the growth of the sport and uh, maybe the advantage of these disciplines and championships is that they are affordable so um, for example in our part of europe we have uh, hill climb which is very strong uh, of course it's not uh, shining and it's not uh, uh, with uh, hundreds of millions of spectators on the tv every weekend uh, but we have a good field of uh, 150 200 cars uh, people who are just keen motorsport uh, enthusiasts and they participate this they don't have a lot of money but they are doing it and they are fighting like uh, like like the drivers in formula one uh, we have a very nice off-road uh, off-road events in autocross uh, we have big tradition in that and you know this is uh, this is also a motorsport and i think uh, I feel like my mission, I would like to help to develop uh, these uh, disciplines and, and uh, championships because uh, it's, it's like a grassroots for, uh, for, uh, for our sport. And we have to, 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 to work on grassroots. We have to, to develop that. Uh, uh, and uh, without that, we would never have the top disciplines like WRC or Formula One. It starts somewhere, somewhere like uh, uh, five levels down, you know, and this is this is what needs to be supported and uh, should take care about that. So I, I feel this is my mission. Wow, fantastic. I mean, uh, we're the UK, obviously Scotland has mountains, but, you know, I'm from England and we're always je <laughs> yes. uh, jealous of countries that have mountain ranges and steep hills. So I'm sure that hill climb in, uh, in the Czech Republic has... Yeah has uh, a lot more potential than than perhaps here it does i don't know but uh, yes yeah. <laughs> yes that's true that's true but on the other hand uh, uh, there's a very strong uh, historic uh, racing in mm. in uh, historic cars racing in england and uh, in the uk is very uh, famous uh, very very famous for that uh, and uh, i think uh, this is also uh, a grassroots you know many many people just uh, race in historic cars and also this uh, this discipline needs to to have a good support Yes. No, well, absolutely. Um, I mean, motorsport in all its forms is, is a, as you say, a kind of a mix of sport, a mix of entertainment, participation, enjoyment for the fans. Um, my question, um, before we kind of move on and think about the future and talk about sustainability, so you... Um, you're obviously on the World Motorsport Council. Do you have a term length? Is it two years? Is it four years? When do you... How long have you got left? Well, it's four four years, and we uh, we are just in the middle of of the of the term, so mm. we still have two years to go. Interesting. So, I mean, you, you I think when did you take on the role? Sort of twenty end of twenty twenty one. Yep. Yes, that's it. Twenty twenty. Yes, exactly. How were you feeling? Was it? What, did you we, did you go in person to a big event, or was it online? How did you get sworn in to be on the World Motorsport Council? Oh, it's not really. Uh, <laughs> how to tell it? It's only really about big, big events. There was actually we had a lot of work to to be done, and mm. uh, I think we are still in the middle of this uh, big, uh, big amount of work we have to do, uh, because uh, the FIA is. Uh, uh, actually, in in a situation that needs uh, a kind of reform, we have we have to do a lot of things to uh, to uh, to um, arrange the FIA for the future, to prepare it for the future challenges. So uh, I think uh, these two years to come will be very very busy as as the first two years were. But uh, it's exciting work, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I mean, yeah, it's fascinating. I think you know, in all. What is, what is, there's a saying, I think it is attributed to one of the founding fathers of the US that, you know, there are two certainties in life, 
death and taxes. Uh, but <laughs> but subsequently, in sort of leadership, uh, I don't know, leadership uh, world, they say death, taxes, and change. So absolutely, yes. changes with us in all in all its forms. Do do you see kind of uh, particular areas where the FIA is prioritizing that change and where? You know where it wants to reform itself, and and, and that your you and your colleagues are working uh, most at the moment. Well, the, there is not uh, some particular area that will be the the, the, the top priority, uh, but uh, there is a lot of a uh, lot of uh, issues and a lot of aspects we we have to work on. And uh, starting from from economy and finance is going through uh, Formula One, as you know, we have to negotiate new Concord Agreement, mm. uh, and it's also it's also going through, uh, let's say, an optimization of the portfolio of the championships and disciplines. Uh, we have to to find a way how to support. Uh, these uh, small disciplines, but uh, uh, still we have to, to reach uh, our target, uh, which was set in the beginning of our term, and it is uh, to make the motorsport more affordable. Uh, there, there is uh, a, an ambitious objective to double the motorsport participation, so we are uh, very very hardly looking the ways uh, how to make it affordable for, uh, for public, because, uh, as you know, motorsport is expensive, and we have to find a way how to, uh, how to sell people a, a cheap entry ticket to motorsport uh, uh, for kids, for children in karting or, mm. or small off-road buggies, whatever. So, um, yeah, and of course, sustainability then, that's, um, that's another aspect. Uh, uh, a lot of challenges we, we have to, to work on, I think. Maybe it's, it will be for more than two years and, <laughs> and for more terms. <laughs> it's I, a, lot, I, a lot of a pile of issues. <laughs> I was going to say, if at the beginning it was like your successful job interview, we've just conducted your successful uh, job evaluation <laughs> and you've got so much so much on your plate. There's just so much. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, well, I mean, yeah. what, to, what to mention there? You, you mentioned the, the Concord Agreement, and it does make me think because I think I saw you there might be legal reasons why you can't comment in detail, but I saw the FIA, I think they sort of approved uh, Andretti Global's bid to be in Formula One, and that now goes to the Formula One group, and I'm sure the teams will have a view on that as well. Um, yep. Yep. It, it's a fascinating piece of news. You know, we've had Mario Andretti, who's obviously Michael's father and a, a real historic yep. figure in, in global motorsport uh, across many, many Formula, many, many series. Um when you know when uh, i suppose when fia is looking at the health of motorsport and the participation you talked about the affordability from the public perspective are you also thinking about the sort of sustainability you know from the participant perspective and having you know a healthy number of competitive teams in in all of your series Yes, exactly. This is one of the issues we are now actually focusing. By the way, we, uh, there is a meeting of the World Motorsport Council tomorrow and after tomorrow. So it's uh, it's just, uh, and I think it's one of the issues on the agenda. <laughs> and uh, as, as, as you as you say, we need to we need to focus uh, to support uh, the, the disciplines and championship with uh, uh, sufficient number of uh, participants, uh, with uh, uh, sufficient attractivity for the people. Uh, also, we have to. Uh, to, to think about uh, economic uh, balance of, of the championships and disciplines, and uh, this is this is uh, this is one part of this pile of issues I was talking about, and this is a job to be done. And uh, I think this is uh, exactly one of the issues we will discuss in the next days.
Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Uh, the e you're on the eve of the World Motorsport Council. We have your time. It's incredible. I won't keep you too much longer, but I'm very no grateful. problem. No, no, no problem at all. <laughs> oh, I, I wish. I almost wish that we could see. You know what you experience in the next couple of days. I'm sure it'd be extremely eye-opening for for all of us. Um, so uh, you mentioned their sustainability, and um, of course, uh, Formula One is looking at uh, sustainable fuels. Um, there is obviously the Formula E category and it's been going and really growing and, and becoming uh, incredibly attractive, uh, you know, for the last decade or so. Um, how how does sustainability look inside the FIA? Sort of are there initiatives to do with the formula, the, the sort of series you run or is it to do with the sustainability of getting the cars from A to B, you know, running the circuits and so on? Like what is sustainability when it comes to the FIA? I think it's a, it's a complex uh, complex approach. Uh, it's including also the logistics, as you say. But uh, it's not only in Formula One and uh, or Formula E. But if you take WRC with hybrid cars, for example, and sustainable fuel, uh, we have, uh, for example, the the Rallycross uh, World Championship with electric, fully electric uh, engines. Uh, we have. Uh, uh, for example, the track European track racing uh, uh, with uh, sustainable fuels. So we try to introduce this uh, this element into every championship, every series, uh, step by step. Of course, some some somewhere it's possible to do it quickly. Some somewhere it will take uh, more time because it's more complex and complicated. So the approach is uh, is I would say complex, uh, and uh, we try to be sustainable in all the aspects. And uh, then please don't forget that the FIA has also. Uh, a second pillar uh, besides of uh, motorsport and it is uh, the um, the mobility uh, mobility pillar uh, besides of the world motorsport council there is also a world tourism and uh, mobility uh, council and we also have uh, member clubs uh, focused on general uh, mobility uh, which means also um, introducing uh, sustainable fuels and cars and uh, uh, and uh, the sustainability idea into into mobility uh, besides motorsport. So this is really one of the key objectives of, of the FIA as as well. I mean, yeah, <laughs> your your plate is 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 very full, and um, yeah, to think of all the you know sustainability, mobility, um, affordability. And, and uh, inclusion as well. We've had um, on, the, on the show, we've had some really prominent female racing drivers, largely on the US side, but, you know, they've been in W Series, they've been in kind of uh, oval racing in the US. Um, do you see a role for the FIA in encouraging girls and women into motorsport as well? For sure, for sure. Uh, this is also a very important aspect and uh, EDI is, is a very important issue for the FIA. Uh, we have uh, the Women, Women in Motorsport uh, Commission in the FIA and uh, I think this is one of the uh, most important program to to support uh, uh, girls in, in in participating the the racing and uh, I think we are just uh, trying to find the right way how to how to do that because uh, uh, there was few uh, ideas uh, um, that uh, the girls would like to have their own series and uh, finally it seems that this is not the case and finally uh, I think that uh, the girls uh, actually want to race together with uh, with uh, boys so. Uh, we have to accommodate to that, and uh, I support this. I think it's fine, and it's uh, very good and very brave from from the girls to to measure their forces and their abilities with uh, with men. 
and we have a lot of grants and, uh, and programs to support uh, uh, girls and we are trying to find uh, new opportunities and uh, uh, we try to to uh, to, uh, to start with uh, with uh, supporting uh, the young girls in in the uh, children categories in karting or uh, or in off-road disciplines because uh, we believe it's necessary to start in early age. Uh, also, we invest, for example, to, to, to some medical research uh, uh, that um, would uh, uh, lead to some some ways how to how to uh, how to balance the the, the differences between the physi physiolo physiology of the of the body of a man and, and a woman. There are some uh, scientific studies which describe uh, how this can be balanced. So I think there is a lot of efforts from the FIA to to uh, make uh, motorsport uh, also um, uh, accessible for, for, for women, for girls, and to make uh, make them competitive with uh, with men. And uh, I think uh, this this is uh, this is correct, and uh, and uh, we have to continue in that. Wow, I mean, I didn't even know about that point around physiology, and it sounds like yeah, there's a lot of work going on. So uh, congratulations. Yeah, this, this, this is this is very very interesting actually and uh, I, of course i'm not uh, not a, a physician but uh, it, it it seems that uh, obviously you have uh, differences between between the body of a man and and a woman uh, but there are ways how to how to eliminate these uh, inconveniences for example in construction elements of a car so uh, this is maybe a way how to how to make uh, uh, the the chances uh, more balanced and this is a way how to have a field uh, mixed uh, with uh, men and women and I think that would be the right solution and the good solution for motorsport okay well um, as we draw to a close uh, before we go to, we have quite a fun question I'm always I'm always fascinated in how people um, you know what what people learn on their journey and what makes them successful so I suppose my question to you Jan is um, what have you learned to date in your career in motorsport governance? Well, this, <laughs> this is a difficult question. I learned a lot, of course, because uh, when uh, when you start to, to, to work in, uh, in uh, I would say it's, it's like a sporting politics. It's a, it's a strange politics, but it is a politics <laughs> also in sporting organization on national and international level. I think that uh, one, one has to learn uh, to, to discuss to to uh, to uh, search for a consensus and uh, uh, to reach uh, consensual decisions which uh, uh, maybe don't uh, f don't fulfill 100% of uh, of oneself's expectations but uh, uh, but uh, have uh, support of the majority and of, of, of for example of all the other members of the World Motorsport Council so i think this is uh, something uh, i learned and uh, this is very useful and this is the way how to uh, make uh, effective uh, government's decisions. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that is interesting, that kind of art of compromise um, yeah. that, that enables decision-making and, you know, not to get too geopolitical, but if you look at kind of multilateral bodies globally, we, as a planet, we're probably finding it much more difficult now to reach consensus on, on big issues. So... So yeah, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> with, yeah, with that. yeah. Not not easy, but uh, but this is the way to this is the way to go. <laughs> Absolutely. So that, that's really interesting to hear about that lesson. And what would you say to someone who's aspiring to follow a path similar to yours over you know 
maybe they don't come from a legal background, but they do, but they're, they're looking to get into motorsport governance. What would you, what advice would you give? Well, I think it's um, it would be the same advice as you can give to a racing to to racing driver in the beginning of his career, which is the advice I give to my eight years old son now who is starting to race. And uh, the uh, the advice is first, uh, you must be ready, uh, you must be well prepared uh, for everything what may happen, and uh, second, uh, never give up. You can never give up uh, in, on your way, and uh, and you you never know what may happen. And even if you uh, find yourself uh, on the last position of the field, you never know that uh, in the rest of the race you can still advance. Maybe the other way will make a mistake, and you can still be on the podium. So uh, don't give up. That's the most important uh, message. Okay, brilliant. Never never give up. Uh, and uh... yes. <laughs> I think we, we've seen that in a few races in the last few years. Um, yes, the, the, yes. the unthinkable has happened. So look, um, as we, this is the last question, and uh, it's it's really really important. So Jan, I'm just going to ask. Um, first of all, do you do you like pizza? Is that something you enjoy? <laughs> oh yes, uh, yeah. Why not? I do. Okay. So here here it is. Yes or no? Pineapple on pizza? No. Oh, I love it. I love it. Direct with the no. Brilliant. Georgie's going to be upset because she loves the pineapple on pizza. I, <laughs> sorry so for that. I'm sorry you, for that, guys. It's okay. <laughs> you're on the same side as Mario Andretti. So if you're on the same side and you're in motorsport, you're in the right in the right group. There we go. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> How about this? Would you, if someone had ordered pineapple on pizza and it was just there and they offered it to you, would you would you accept it or is it more on principle you're just no? <laughs> well, I would probably take 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 the, 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 the pineapple out of the pizza and just eat the Ooh. rest, you know. <laughs> wow, okay. That's quite a strong a strong view. Brilliant. Well we, we get these insights into personalities. You're very determined and uh you know stick to what you want. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, well Jan, thank you so much for your time. Anything else you want to add? I mean, how can people follow you? Have you got social media that they can follow you or how can we find out? Yeah, the, yeah. I think the best is my Instagram, which is something I I, I try to to update and uh, try to inform people about what's new in motorsport. And uh, it's under my name, so easy to be found. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that's it. So and uh, I thank you very much. Thank you very much for invitation for this very interesting podcast. It was a pleasure for me. And you are doing excellent job. And I I wish you all the best. Thank you. Well, best of luck with the World Motorsport Council uh, coming up tomorrow and probably would have happened by the time this airs. Good luck with uh, the Central European Rally. We'll keep an eye out for that and we'll look Thank for you. you. And yeah, we'll follow you on Jan Stovicek uh, uh, at, at Instagram. Um, if you're listening at home and you've got this far into the podcast and you don't follow us at Strip the Dip on any social media platform, please do. Please subscribe uh, to this podcast and, and comment and give us your thoughts. So uh, that concludes today's episode. Everyone have a fantastic day wherever you are. I've been your unusual co-host, F1 Blag. Good night.